On this podcast, I profile people who have impacted culture and history, and all of them have one thing in common. They were all gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. My name is Frank Howard, and welcome to Gay of the Day. What happens when you give the finest performance ever seen in a horror film? You never live it down. Today's gay of the day, Anthony Perkins. Norman Bates, a mythological character that would not have existed without Anthony Perkins. In the book Psycho, Norman Bates is a fat, bald, middle-aged reprobate. Screenwriter Joseph Stefano had seen Anthony Perkins on Broadway in the play Look Homeward Angel and suggested Perkins to Hitchcock for the role of Norman. This set Hitchcock's wheels spinning. What if Norman were attractive, passive, and likable? What if Norman was someone you were drawn to and perhaps felt sorry for? Sympathy for the Devil was something Hitchcock toyed with throughout his career. The likable villain makes the audience complicit and forces them to question their own morality. Hitchcock had done it most effectively with Joseph Cotton's misanthropic yet charming sociopath in the film Shadow of a Doubt, Cary Grant as the fetching would-be murderer in Suspicion, and most notably, Robert Walker's absorbing and effeminate psychopath in Strangers on a Train. With the image of Anthony Perkins before them, Hitchcock and Stefano transformed Norman Bates into a sweet and damaged victim. The viewer, at least this one, can't help feeling sorry for Norman and can't help noticing the deep pain radiating from Perkins throughout the film. Hitchcock may have famously remarked that actors were cattle, but he was delighted with what Perkins was coming up with on set. The stammer, the quick smile, the twitching jaw, the snacking on Halloween candy, the subtle hints at androgyny were all Perkins' inventions. It is a portrayal where you're moved and transfixed by the character and simultaneously dazzled by the actor's inventiveness. The rain didn't last long, did it? You know what I think? 
I think that we're all in our private traps, clamped in them, and none of us can ever get out. We scratch and, and claw, but only at the air, only at each other. And for all of it, we never budge an inch. Sometimes we deliberately step into those traps. I was born in mine. I don't mind it anymore. Oh, but you should. You should mind it. Oh, I do. <laughs> but I say I don't. It is a landmark performance. A game changer. And one that truly tests the audience's sympathies. By the time of Psycho, Perkins had cornered the market on the troubled and sensitive youth in movies. Just a few years into his career, and he was already being typecast. He was approaching 30 and knew he couldn't play that role much longer. Perkins leapt at Psycho and perhaps saw the chance to turn the sensitive and sweet neurotic boy that female audiences yearned to take care of and upend it. More than reject it, thwart it, assert that their concern was neither wanted nor asked for. Anthony Perkins was sensitive and neurotic, but I suspect he despised being pigeonholed. He was going to kill his image once and for all with Norman Bates. It worked spectacularly, but backfired. He was doomed to play variations on Norman Bates for the rest of his career. The son of actor Osgood Perkins, who died when Anthony was just five, he followed in his father's footsteps and was acting professionally while still in his teens. His mother, while not quite Mrs. Bates, was a clinging, overbearing, suffocating presence in Anthony's life. There were hints that there may have been some sexual contact. This instilled in Perkins a lifelong neurosis that came across in most of his performances. He was still in college when he made his film debut in director George Cukor's The Actress from 1953. But the role that made him a star was Friendly Persuasion from 1956. In it, he plays a Quaker who's drafted into war. I'd be hard-pressed to recall a cinematic moment as heartbreaking as the scene where Perkins' character is ordered to kill. Rarely has an actor had such an honest emotional breakdown on screen. When director William Wyler witnessed what Perkins did on the first take, he just let the cameras roll and allowed an honest emotional explosion to occur. Apparently, Wyler was so moved and transfixed, he had to be nudged to yell, cut. Wyler had planned a big sequence with lots of blood and guts, but in the finished film, there was just a close-up of Perkins. There are no cutaways, just Perkins 
sobbing face as he shoots his gun at his off-screen enemies. He received an Oscar nomination for Friendly Persuasion. This led to many films, including Fear Strikes Out, plus the aforementioned Broadway play Look Homeward Angel, a performance that is still talked about in hushed tones, with many putting it on par with Marlon Brando in A Streetcar Named Desire. After Psycho, Perkins continued to broaden his range. He went to Europe and stayed for nearly a decade, working for directors like Claude Chabral and Orson Welles, and returning to the States only twice for the cult film Pretty Poison and Evening Primrose, a high-concept, one-act musical written for television by his then-lover, composer Stephen Sondheim. I will not attempt to describe the premise of this strange, hypnotic television experiment, but do yourself a favor and see it. We shall have the world forever, for our own. Yes, Tony Perkins could sing. In the 1950s, he had an impact on pop music, scoring a few minor chart hits, and is forever in the gay canon for introducing the queer anthem, Never Will I Marry, in the Broadway musical Green Willow. He had many lovers, some serious, some not, including actor Tab Hunter. Apparently there's a film in the works about their relationship. He also dated Rudolf Nureyev. Yet, aside from being out to friends, he remained in the closet and was always nervous that he'd be found out. He first had sex with a woman at age 40 with Victoria Principal, of all people. I suppose he said to himself, okay, okay, I can do this. Even though he famously sang Never Will I Marry, he did get married to photographer Barry Berenson, who subsequently died on 9-11. She was a passenger on one of the hijacked planes. His marriage to Barry Berenson was a happy one. They had two sons. But either it was an open marriage, or he cheated. For Perkins contracted AIDS in the late 80s, and eventually perished from the disease in 1992. Back in 92, AIDS was still a death sentence. Whenever I heard news of someone dying, I always got a chill. I was terrified that I'd get it. I chalk up my not getting HIV to chance. When Perkins died, it confirmed what I'd feared. He'd been looking awful 
The disease once again had claimed one of the good ones. Fucking AIDS. I got really angry. I was a fan. Tony Perkins was someone whose screen presence made a big impact on me. He was so vulnerable that when I watched him, I always wanted to reach out and comfort him. Not that you can hear me or anything, but I noticed you, Tony. I noticed you in that made-for-TV Les Miserables. You did such fine work. You were fantastic as Joseph K. in The Trial. <laughs> what a crazy movie that is. I cherish your hilarious and clever screenplay for The Last of Sheila. One of my favorite movies. I saw what a ball you were having, camping it up in mahogany and crimes of passion. I heard your beautiful singing voice in Evening Primrose. And of course, you changed film history with your empathetic and humane portrayal of Norman Bates. From all accounts, you appear to have been a very smart, very kind, and most importantly, a very gentle man. A rarity in this world. I hope you didn't suffer too much at the end. Today's Gay of the Day, actor Anthony Perkins. My name is Frank Howard. Thanks for listening.